Hello, hello, and welcome to the Relate and Educate podcast. It's Erin Patton here. All right, this week, earlier this week on Tuesday, we had our Tulsa Classroom Management Workshop, and it was wonderful. We loved it. We loved every bit of it. We loved getting to meet all of you new teachers, and it was just so much fun. Thank you all for coming. All right, if you are still interested in attending a classroom management workshop, it is not too late because on September 21st, Thursday, September 21st, we will be bringing the classroom management workshop to Oklahoma City, and we will be at MetroTech. Visit our website at relatethenneducate.com to get all of the information, everything you need to know. You can even get registered right there from the website. So, classroom management workshop, Oklahoma City, still room. We want to see you there. All right, so you know how I said our classroom management workshop in Tulsa was awesome? Well, part of the reason it was so awesome is because we had a special guest. Our special guest to the classroom management workshop is also our special guest on the podcast this week, and it is 2023 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, Tracy Manuel. Tracy got to come and visit our workshop, which was so fun. It was so fun for the teachers to get to meet her. She did some giveaways and, you know, had some really inspiring words for our teachers. And I can't wait for you guys to hear her on the podcast today. I love Tracy. In fact, once we left, I told Tracy I love her. And Tracy, I'm sorry, it may have been a little bit out of left field and, you know, coming on a little too strong. But I do. I I have love for you. I'm so grateful that you are representing our state as our teacher of the year this year. You are such a good representative to be doing that. I'm so glad that you're teaching. And I do have love in my heart for you. So you're just going to have to accept it, my dear. <laughs> so everyone, I hope you enjoy this episode. We talked about wonderful things. We talked about Tracy's non-traditional path getting into education, which is really interesting. We taught about talked about how she taught has taught English for years and years and years and how that has been so transformative for her and then also she talks about her mission as teacher of the year so we talk about so many great things that I'm excited for you guys to get to listen to so enjoy this episode with 2023's Oklahoma teacher of the year Tracy Manuel Amplifying the voices of teachers. This is Relate and Educate. We are off. Today is a great day. We are in the company of greatness right here, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking to the 2023 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, Tracy Manuel. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> the entire state. Hello, everyone. Yes, we're so happy to have you here. And congratulations. Yes, and congratulations. Thank you all. I'm excited to be here with both of you. Just very excited on this wonderful Friday to yeah. talk with you all. Yes, and it's a beautiful Friday, too. I came in here and was like, oh, it feels so nice outside. And Rick's like, it's kind of hot it's out it. there. But I don't know, something about it. The breeze was just, I was feeling it it's today. just right. Definitely yeah, just it. right. The breeze <laughs> in Oklahoma, it's been really <laughs> yucky outside. So. Yes. Well, I want to start by hearing how, like, your history, how you got into education, you know, from what was your path there? I know just from, you know, hearing you in interviews and reading some interviews that you have a non-traditional path getting into education. And so I'm very excited for our listeners to get to hear about this. Well, awesome. So, yes, I have a non-traditional path getting towards education. I started off as an English lit major in undergrad. Mm -hmm. And from there, I always knew I wanted to work with youth, but okay. very much in a different capacity. My yeah. Uh, roots, as far as family roots, go back to education. My grandmother uh, taught in Tulsa Public Schools District in 1950s. Moving no kidding. Had like a 40 plus year career. My aunt's still serving there. So with okay. that being said, I wanted to be the black sheep of the family. <laughs> said, you know, I'm not doing education. It's not my thing, right? So as I went through undergrad and went on to graduate school in Michigan, 
I began to look at curriculum and instruction. I was very oh, interested yeah. in that. And so from there, um, I wanted to look at research. We were looking at the achievement gap in the state of Michigan and in Ann Arbor, which was very alarming. The fact that University of Michigan was right across the street from the school that had the highest need in oh, that area. Yeah. So really? I said, yeah, it was real That's, interesting. That is interesting yeah. because... I have relatives in Michigan, and to go to the University of Michigan is pristine. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very much so. Yeah. And so I was very interested, and I didn't know a lot about it. And so I said, you know, I'm wondering uh, if this exists in Tulsa. It was my first time hearing more so like about the achievement gap and getting to study it. And so I found these alarming facts that we had very similar um, ah. facts or data when it came to this huge gap in mm -hmm. Tulsa and what was happening. And so the district that I grew up in was a different district by the time I got to grad school, mm. now, which where, was a very short period of time. Where did you go to school? So in Tulsa, I went to Academy Central, um, which is now part of Tulsa Public Schools, yeah. went to Carver and Booker T. So okay. I did the magnet route. Yep. Um, but at that time, there was still a lot of heavy influence in Tulsa. And by the time I got to grad school, of course, other districts had already formed years prior to that. But there was a leave uh, of mm -hmm. students and a lot of money leaving to other areas and those areas prospered and we began to start going down. So at any rate, uh, what happened is that I was looking at that and I said, wow, I started looking at the stories that were coming out of Tulsa and ran into some old teachers at a conference, had no idea that I would. And mm. they said, you need to come back home. We really need oh, more wow. people back home. And so my husband Hold on. And I, Had you ever considered that before? Absolutely. Coming, no, no, I was not coming back to <laughs> Oklahoma. I love it, but that was not my calling. Yeah. And so my husband was like, are you serious? We're not going back. I'm trying to pursue a PhD. <laughs> You're doing other stuff. And so I said, but it's something going on back home yeah. and we really need to be able to help because I connected with a lot of the stories. Although I had a magnet experience, mm -hmm. um, I had some really hard times and challenges. The difference was that, or the difference was that I had uh, come from a two parent home and had a lot oh, of support yeah. and was in a village of educators that knew how to get me the help that I needed. Right. And so these other children don't share the same narrative that right. I was reading about. And so anyway, coming back home, going through a non-traditional route of starting off as a long-term sub, um, okay. from there went into looking at like a family resource coordinator within a school. What is that exactly? And so you go in and you help families. You, you're not a teacher, but you're helping teachers and families to bridge those oh, relationships. Um, they call them in a, it's a different position now as far as the title. Okay. Yeah. Um, but basically you're just a resource mm -hmm. to bridge uh, the gap there mm -hmm. and to be able to provide those schools that don't have a lot of parent support yeah. help that they need. Yeah. Now, um, were you in Tulsa at this time? Yeah. You, I so you back moved back to Tulsa. Yeah. yeah. So we stayed a little while in Michigan. Right. And then we came back. Um, I started uh, commuting back and forth to Stillwater because my husband was still pursuing a PhD there. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I started at KIPP Tulsa yep. as a long-term sub. I moved to Alcott, which is now closed as a Tulsa school. Mm -hmm. And that is where I was a family resource okay. um, person. And then from there, I went to Central junior high and high mm -hmm. school. So I walked right into Tulsa school when they were doing their project schoolhouse and they were uh, shrinking their district. Yeah. Oh. And so it was an interesting year. Central became not only a high school, but also a junior high. Oh, wow. And they were merged. And unlike uh, schools like in the Tulsa area, like Edison, which has uh, two campuses really on one, they didn't have that. So their students were sharing the same resources. So they were trying to figure things out yeah. um, at that time. That so, gets complicated when you yeah. have, say, a sixth grader with a 12th grader. Yes. It's yes. Uh, wow, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of things can happen in that in that regard. Very much so. Yeah. So I started realizing then that, you know, going into becoming a classroom teacher, it took me, I guess, about three years or so going through that route. And so it was very mm. non-traditional. Um, and I began to see um, when I walked into the school, there were a lot of TFA, Teach for America teachers, yes. okay, a lot yeah. of non-traditional teachers. Uh, my experience was just different because I came from a family of educators. So yeah. when it came to classroom management and curriculum and digging through things, I didn't have the struggles that they did. Yeah. So I oftentimes would gravitate to those individuals or they would gravitate to me to try to help. And we would push through together. So how I became, again, a teacher. I know that was a long story there. I love it. Um, perfect. 
is just the fact that in my last year at Booker T. Washington High School, mm-hmm. which is a magnet school in the area, um, I went to my counselor and I had struggled academically throughout my journey and I had caught up and she was looking at some data and she says, well, you know, your options, they're, they're real limited and really, in fact, you don't have any options at all for what you're trying uh, to do. And so it was very disheartening. Well, and so, yes, to actually know, be told that. Yeah. As a child, I mean, what does that feel like? I mean, it was very much disheartening. Um, I had to hide my feelings, of course, uh. but right outside, when I stepped outside of that meeting, because we had a meeting with seniors um, or counselors shared that uh-huh. meeting, um, there was a count. There was a secretary who overheard the conversation, okay. and she told me to come here, and she <gasps> said, you know, here is a file that I want you to go through, and you keep looking through those, and you don't allow that one determining oh. factor to determine your future. Um, I didn't realize that that would be my stepping stone in life, right? Yeah. And God bless her. <laughs> Seriously, wow. And so um, from there, I went to go and visit a mentor of mine, Joe Bright, who was at the North Tulsa Navy Boys and Girls Club. And I just cried and cried. And she said, okay, I need you to be done in two minutes. And I thought, Miss Bright, you really don't understand. (laughs) You know what I mean. (laughs) And she said, yes, Tracy, a lot of people are going to say things. But again, you can't let one thing determine your future. And so Mm. now that we've snotted and we've cried, that's the reality. (laughs) We've got to get an action plan. So I need you to go back and I need you to research your ACT journey and how you're going Mm. to, you know, make this pivoting point and make it a turnaround for yourself where I didn't see what she saw in me. Uh, From there, uh, she pushed me and I was eventually able to go and speak at the governor's mansion at the end of that senior year uh, for a scholarship. And so it turned around for me in a variety of ways and we just kept going from there. And so I want that to be every child's story that I've come into contact with it. You're going to face a lot of challenges and, Mm -hmm. and disheartening times, but that's not the end of your narrative. You choose the end Mm. of your narrative, right? And you keep going. So that's just been my journey to becoming a teacher. It's very non-traditional and that's a growing area across the U.S. as far as people going into the non-traditional way of teaching. While I still uphold those who went the traditional way, um, there is this growing area. So how do we meet that need to be able to make sure that they're adequate and effective as teachers? Everybody wanted to take a quick second to let you know that Teachers Night Out is coming back for 2023. And we're adding locations too. We're going to be in Oklahoma City on October 17th at the Hugh Chevrolet Center. And then we're going to follow that up the next week. And we're going to be in Fayetteville at the Walton Arts Center on October 24th. And Gary Brooks is coming to do both of those shows. And we're excited to see him again. But then in November, Tulsa, we're coming back with Kim Bearden, who is the co-founder of the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta. She is incredible, and she's going to be at Teacher's Night Out in the Broken Arrow PAC on November 16th. So if you want to get more information about Teacher's Night Out, what it is, what we're doing, get the details on all of these events, go to relatetheneducate.com, and you can check all of that out, but you can also vote on what T-shirt that we're going to make up to give to every single person who buys a ticket to Teacher's Night Out this year. So go to relatetheneducate.com, check it out, and if you have any questions, please let us know. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You, you've had a lot of people that kind of interceded for you, like stepped in mm-hmm. and, you know, lifted you up maybe when, when I can't imagine hearing that, like, and I, I would assume that you, you want, told her that you wanted to go to college mm-hmm. and she just says, you, you can't do that. That's crazy. I, <laughs> I can't imagine telling a kid that, you know, mm. cause there's always a way forward. Always. You just have to keep looking for it and go, man, that's, I'm so glad that you had people looking out for you, you know, and rallying around you. That's That's true. Yeah. And I hate that that happened to you as a child, of course, but what a heart it's given you for all of these students currently and in the past and your future students. I mean, you, what a fighter you are for them and what a voice and like a speaker of truth. Yes. over them that you are and I'm just that's so again hate that you had to go through that but <laughs> man I mean I'm so happy for what it turned you into yes so that's I'm so interested fun. in that pivot so you had some teachers that said you need to come back to Tulsa that's a 
pretty short conversation mm-hmm. in the span of your life. <laughs> Why was it so pivotal? Mm. Why did it turn you into a completely different direction? I think because I knew the challenges that I had to go through and I was studying the achievement gap and what it was doing within Uh, the state. And again, going back, looking at where Tulsa was. So I ran into them at the NAPSI conference Mm -hmm. uh, for black educators, Mm -hmm. National Association for Black Educators. And uh, they were in my community, in my village growing up. And so looking at this research became real and having this transparent conversation right. with them. We eventually went out to dinner and I was able to see them from an angle where I only saw them as a child, as you know, just teachers of mine and um, advocates in our Tulsa area. And so having this conversation, seeing the data and saying, I can't continue just on my journey being selfish Mm -hmm. and wanting to give Mm -hmm. back, although there were students in Michigan that I'm sure could have used me and others as well, but to know there was a need in an area of a community where I grew up in, I wanted to be able to come and help. I had received this Mm -hmm. training on cultural competency and so many Mm -hmm. other areas. And looking at uh, the deficit of where our teachers were, um, looking at suspension rates that still exist of saying, I have some tools here that we can use and to be helpful in those buildings um, I wanted to go back and do because this was a place that gave Mm. so much to me so why can I not come back and give Mm. to it yeah well I want to get into those insights and the tools that you have used in your career but I'm just curious are the teachers that got you to Tulsa are they still around are they still So one of the teachers was named Juanita Williams, and Mm -hmm. I tried to imitate a lot of her style through my English teaching, especially when I taught at the middle school um, where she was, Carver Middle School. And she passed away probably about seven to eight years ago, Um, but she was very influential. And then the other um, lady is now retired, and so we interact every now and then. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, the the uh, thought of teachers hanging in for you mentioned a couple you, your your relatives going mm-hmm. like forty years, at going the distance it's so unusual now, mm-hmm. and um, I think that is a is a big loss, compounded by the people coming into the profession with little to no training. You know, yes. with Teach for America, you come in with a few weeks, that's it, and then good luck. Um, so it's it's we're at a pivot point in our educational system mm-hmm. in America where. We're losing those old mm-hmm. sage, uh, you know, Seasoned. wise people, and you're also infusing just to fill the gap. People that don't know what they're doing, That's you it. know, mm-hmm. their heart That's is it. their heart is right. That's I it. believe that, but uh, the experience there's just an experience gap mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So, to to follow that up, what are some of the tools that you've seen work? And that, that you really like yeah. and enjoy um, because there are teachers, administrators listening to this that have those needs. And we like to share those insights. It's a great question. So there are several areas. And I'll start with one relationship and rapport. We hear that. I hear a lot of buzz terms a lot mm. of the times. Yeah. But to actually be in the crux and to be in the trenches with the students mm. and doing that relationship and rapport is important. But I think. Um, we have to focus in on what are we talking about when we say relationship and rapport because oftentimes Mm -hmm. a lot of teachers who are not trained or administrators who even went through a non-traditional route will think that means befriending students Mm -hmm. and I draw a really fine line because I'm raised uh, with parents who were very older and around individuals who again had been in the traditional routes of education and I think we still have to set high expectations and have a relationship with students understanding that there's a level of respect And so we have to go in, especially in our urban and rural areas sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, which may look different from our suburban areas. We do understand that we're all pushing students' success, but how we go about getting that success is going to be very different. And in my experience, sometimes with students who may be, uh, if you're in schools who are low performing, you have to make sure that you give them a very structured approach to uh, 
building relationships and rapport. Right. And so what that would look like is starting off as a very stern and strict teacher and then obviously letting your guard down as the year goes along, which sounds very simple, but it's very complex for a lot of teachers because yeah. they're told to push, push, push relationship. Mm. And what does that look like? That's true. So, That's um, a big concept. And like, what does that look like in practice? What is it a healthy yes. student teacher yes. relationship look like? And so I, I give you a story. One of my uh, close friends who uh, happened to have a TFA background mm-hmm. came one day and she was just sobbing. And I said, hey, what's mm-hmm. going on? And she says, Tracy, I don't understand. I have a relationship with these kids. I'm going to their houses and I'm doing, you know, home visits and I'm going to their games and I'm doing this. And I said, but do you have a standard structured practice yeah. that you have in your mm-hmm. class that you are enforcing, whether they like it or not, but mm-hmm. that is working for you? And she says, well, no, I, you know, I kind of change it. I said, you have to be consistent with your practices. And she says, well, like, for example, some students were falling asleep, and I said, and what did you do? And she says, well, I sprayed them. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We have to begin to look at this. She was in an urban setting, and in this uh, population, she was serving a lot of African-American and Hispanic students. And I said, do you know the history behind spraying someone as a white young teacher, female uh, teacher, with water? You oh need no. to know the history because that can be a very complex yeah. situation, yeah. right, where she didn't know in all honesty. And she said, Tracy, I never would have connected the two. I said, first of all, let's not do that again because we want to see you living, right? Mm -hmm. And secondly, let's make sure we're building healthy relationships and that we're not thinking that we're the savior, Mm -hmm. but that we're coming in to build those. I look Mm -hmm. at, um, that ties me right into cultural competency. Um, And in our state right now, we're dealing with a lot of complex issues Mm -hmm. across uh, public education. Mm -hmm. And some of it can be surrounded because of the cultural competency piece. We are trying to serve all students the same, no different Mm. than the No Child Left Behind Act many years ago Mm -hmm. or the Gold 2000s Act. And while those had some good pieces to them, there were some mm-hmm. parts that needed to be uh, changed and modified to right. address the in- environments that the individuals were in. It's one thing to say every child should be able to read, but do we know their narrative and what they're going through yeah. in these various yeah. environments and how we're getting them to read? So culture competency um, encompasses so much, but yeah. I think that that's one thing. So relationship rapport, cultural competency, and I'll stop because it looks like you want to ask Oh yeah, I've got, I've got <laughs> questions, but uh, the cultural competency thing is something that I happened upon this week. Um, I traveled a bit this week, mm-hmm. and I was able to hear about a school in an urban area, you know, in one of the most populated cities mm-hmm. in, in the United States. And the difference between that school and, say, a, even a inner-city Tulsa public school mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a suburban school, radically different. Mm-hmm. Um, because the culture is different in that city or that town and you have to accommodate for that you know you will have uh, some cities towns areas that are more culturally progressive Mm -hmm. and then others that are more conservative and neither is wrong right Mm -hmm. but if you at at the administrative level or at the governmental level Mm. look at all of them as the same you're going to do a disservice you know you're not going to be able to meet the need of um, these people because you're trying to uh, hit it all in one one stop shop and that's just not it's not accurate it's not realistic so I, I really like that piece that cultural competency mm-hmm. knowing where you're at knowing who you're serving and then being having the flexibility mm-hmm. to meet their needs mm-hmm. is super important and th- when people try to simplify that's it. you know if teachers would just do this <gasps> like you, you can't say that. You cannot say that mm-hmm. because there's each teacher's students by the hour, if you're in high school That's or it. whatever, are different. And that classroom is different. And how can you best meet the needs? And to teach them well, you have to have some flexibility. So... Yeah, I like that idea. I think cool. that's important. Um, doing graduate work in Michigan, being able to be hands-on with my professors mm-hmm. um, with the Ann Arbor Public School District, where they had the highest achievement gap at the time, um, we went in, and I thought it was real interesting how we did that. As graduate students, we went in with these professors to, of course, do professional development. Mm-hmm. But we started with their superintendents. Then we went from uh, superintendents all the way down. And I thought it was 
interesting because of the fact that you typically start with teachers, mm-hmm. right? And those are the middle ground and we are the ones that are interacting. But it was about changing the mindsets and mm-hmm. getting them to realize what mindset that they were in mm-hmm. and that they were thrusting that across their district, which was causing some of the achievement gap. It made yeah. people feel really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, but we had to get out of our level of comfort in order to address the needs of the kids that we were serving. Right. Um, and so I think that definitely our state, Oklahoma, um, can be well on track if we take the same approach to addressing those areas. Yeah. And mm. the, the other thing, you know, our, our organization is called Relate Then Educate. But I always want to preface that, like, you have to show competency first mm-hmm. as a teacher. If you come in and try to develop relationships right out of the gate, it's going to be difficult to manage the, the classroom as a whole. Mm-hmm. They, the students want to know, first day, first five minutes, mm-hmm. does this person know how to do this? That's it. You know? And so what you were talking about, the procedure, what I'm hearing anyway, procedures, making sure that there are some guardrails mm-hmm. and that if you step outside of that, there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. And it's always predictable and it's, you know, it's consistent. And then once you have that framework, now we build relationship. That's now I, now that w- our classroom is functioning and, and you know everybody's kind of reading their books or whatever, doing the assignment, now I can take the time to lean in and ask this kid, is he, is, are you okay mm-hmm. today? Um, but it's very difficult to do that in the reverse. That's it. Yeah. So. And oftentimes young educators um, are being, I, I'm noticing that there's a trend of more younger administration. And so... With that being said, they may not have had a lot of experience within the classroom Mm -hmm. or any at all. Mm. And so you're giving information that you may not know yourself. And so what I would say to those administrators, if you find yourself in that position, you need to build a team, a strong team Mm. within your building, um, utilizing those experts, because oftentimes we overlook those. Right. And so that's the thing that's going to be strength in your building to make sure that you what you don't know, you don't have a problem with saying I need to build a team to help fill in the gaps so that our school does not have to have a downward spiral mm-hmm. of these issues. Yeah. Um, mm. We have a team to address it. I, I like the idea of the teacher is the expert. <laughs> not every teacher, because you right. have to, you, you, you need the time in the classroom, five, ten years, and then you're a master teacher. But administrators rely on people like that. Mm-hmm. They, they know what they're doing uh, front and back. And I think, for me at least, I I. Um, I don't feel as though teachers believe that they have that kind of competency, that, that they are experts. Um, they may feel like Aaron and I have talked about before, I'm, I'm okay, I'm a good teacher, but I, I, I don't ever feel like I'm doing it well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and teachers are experts, and I want people to hear that. You yes. Know? And I think that's interesting that you say that, um, and I'll just jump right into one of the areas that I'm going to be tackling or looking into on my journey as Mm -hmm. the Oklahoma Teacher of the Year. Um, My platform is more so of inspiring teachers to thrive through their push and Mm. push, and we can go into the details of it later, but the U is for utilizing the experts, and that is the master teachers, the lead teachers within your building. And I think a lot of the times people uh, stress the fact that we're underpaid. We know we're underpaid going into Mm -hmm. the field, so um, not that we should be, but that is a fact it's given. And so how do we keep these individuals coming back year to year? And that is for those local administrators and those that are above them to value those individuals. Mm -hmm. It's not just about pay, but it's about valuing them and building them and utilizing Mm -hmm. them. Because so many of the times we bring in um, outsiders who are experts, but they have to leave. Right. And so Mm -hmm. after they leave, what does that leave my staff at? And it kind of leaves us at a disadvantage because we have nowhere to go because we have not used the people that are our lead uh, teachers in the building. And those uh, schools that do have that, uh, I currently sit at a school that does have that um, lead teacher approach where the 
administrators really trust mm-hmm. and build that community, it's a completely different environment. Mm-hmm. And the teachers want to stay. Again, they know the pay is not there, mm-hmm. but they want to stay because they're respected, they're valued, and um, they're utilized in so many ways. And I think if other schools just kind of take a step back and just look at why am I losing teachers? Why are teachers mm-hmm. leaving? What can I do to develop a plan to keep my teachers there? And I think we can uh, you know, be off to a better track to maintaining the teachers um, and retaining them within our state. Yeah. yeah. Teachers just don't want to be poor. No. That's it. Yeah, that's just it. Don't. You know, yeah. after, after that, it's all gravy. But what they have to have and what will make them miserable is if their leadership does not actively value them, like mm-hmm. make them feel like they're doing a good job. That's it. And I've, we've talked to so many teachers, and they would talk us through why they left the previous school. Mm-hmm. They never bring up pay. It's never That's that. That's true. It's always mm-hmm. the same. But like they'll leave school A, go to school B, make about the same. Mm-hmm. But it's they had to get out of out from underneath mm-hmm. this toxic environment to get to another. Um, but yeah, there, there's a there's a inaccurate narrative that teachers want more money. They just they they don't want to stress out when they go to Target to get groceries. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's it. If if they can yeah. do that. You'll, you'll keep them. Just treat them well. That's you know? it. Yeah. Truly. Man. I want to hear about your time in... How, how long have you been teaching 10th grade at Booker T? So everyone thinks it's been a long time. Yeah. It's actually, this was my first year. Oh, no year. kidding. Um, last year was my first year at Booker T. Going oh, home. okay. So most of my years were in middle school as gotcha. far as teaching. And before I knew about this path, I was not pursuing the Oklahoma Teacher of the Year. Uh-huh. But I wanted to transition to high school so that I could okay. learn more. Um, to eventually be able to go back, um, hopefully to elementary to really? address some of the no areas of uh, reading. Yes. As oh, far as so is what concerned. is that? Why <laughs> elementary? Like, how did that all happen? Uh, because well, how it all happened, I started off in middle school uh-huh. teaching, and then, again, I have moved on to high school. I want to go back to elementary because the root of the literacy problem starts in those early yeah. years. And I know that if I've seen it at the secondary level, uh-huh. it's going to be easier to come back and help and address those areas of yeah. literacy. So, you know, my path hasn't been the same. And yes. so I do things um, outside of the box. And so I just wanted to, again, uh, start at the secondary level. Uh, see what is not just going on, um, but how things are transpiring yeah. to be able to go back and to help. better inform mm-hmm. you on how. Because a lot of the elementary teachers um, will move eventually. I shouldn't say eventually. Some will move to secondary level. Okay. But most don't go back to the elementary level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But our deficit is starting there. So how do we help? Interesting. You're still researching, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. It yeah. sounds very <laughs> active. <laughs> Very, very yeah. active. Yeah. And always everything you taught was in literature and English and everything. Mm-hmm. I love that. What do you love teaching? What about English do you love teaching? Why is that your heart? English is my heart because I originally started um, as a theater and drama major. So yeah, I was really, really wanting to go down that particular path. Yeah. And then my parents, probably my second year in college when I had to declare my major, said, you know, Tracy, we're not going to pay for a starving yeah. artist. We know you've got some scholarships and some other things going, but I'm thinking you need to find a career that's going to give you some stability. Uh-huh. And so I thought, wow, thanks for crushing my dreams again. <laughs> but no, uh, <laughs> seriously, how can I take those two and merge them together? And I thought no better way than, you know, being an English teacher that was my major. And so I said, I still get the uh, thrill of being able to read Uh um, so many different genres and obviously things even outside of just dramas. Mm -hmm. But being able to take that and give that life in the classroom because one of the fields where um, students, I should say, in the classroom despise a lot of is reading because they just think this is dull. These Mm -hmm. are just old people outdated, you know, um, concepts and things of that sort. And so I said, I want to bring life to the classroom and give that a uh, a voice outside of the classroom. So I love doing things like philosophical chairs or Socratic seminars so we can dig in the text and grapple with the text, Mm -hmm. but then hear the student's voice and then give them application outside of the classroom because they need to know that this is not just words on a paper. 
but this is to get you to think and how do we move from these thoughts and how do we not repeat history and so I think that literature tackles every area within education so that's just me it gives it a voice and it allows students to express themselves but then to have to have uh, supportive evidence to be able to move forward and they're going to have to have that in life and any career really that they go into yeah oh I want to be in your classroom. <laughs> you just like lit up and taught. I loved it. I seriously, that's so good. Yeah. So, so good. Um, what are We talked about relationships and how definitely relationships are important, but definitely proving your competency in front of your students too is also important. But what are some of your strategies to build relationships with your students? What are some things you do that have worked for you? So I have become very engrossed in any building that I am in, in um, the extracurricular activities with students. And so you can always find me running four and five clubs. Uh, One of the um, groups that I started that I wrote a curriculum for was the Women of Power Ooh, I was looking at this. I want to hear more about it. (laughs) So with the Women of Power program, we were able to address um, about four C's, culture. We were able to address um, confidence. We were Mm -hmm. able to address competency on others around us because at the time where I started it, I was in a magnet school. And um, the most segregated part of any school is cafeteria time. And I would go down and see students and say like, okay, I'm going to use this group to address some of these issues. And then once we can look at the competency and once we can look at the culture, then you can become confident in who you are and move forward and be a different voice once you go to high school and Mm. have a different take on life. And so with this particular program, it started off as something that my principal gave me as a challenge and said, hey, you know, our sponsor left. Can you take the program? Well, being as a child who my mother put me in so many different programs, campfire, um, you name it, I was in it, debutante pageants. Oh, and, really? Debutante wow. balls and pageants and different things. And so many kids in the environments that I were in, their parents um, didn't put a precedence on that. It didn't mean to me that they didn't need those same skills that um. I had. But how do I do that in today's timing with people not – pushing their kids into these community groups and things where they can gain skills that they need. And so I said, let's make an all-in-one program through the Women of Power. So it started off as an advisory class. It developed into a uh, program, and then Mm -hmm. it also developed into a – an elective class okay. where I wrote for our district. And so the students would have to get uh, apply for the program. Mm-hmm. And when they apply, they had to go through an interview. After they went through their interview, um, and I had community members to come in and alumni to come in and see if they qualified. And everyone qualified as, as, if they had the time. Yeah, And okay. so I would always work with about 25 to 35 girls okay. within the school. And their parents had to take on a role as well wow. and serve Um, within like our booster club that we eventually formed. And then from there, that gave me the the insight to be able to build relationships with students because I was able to work with them. And how did that impact like the overall girls in the school? Everyone was looking at that. So I was able to use that as a pathway to form relationships and to talk to girls in the school and to know this is a trustworthy person that I can trust that I can go to still has high expectations of me, no matter what I'm enduring still expects the same from me. And so that allowed me to reach our uh, students of all different ethnicities and walks of life, bringing them together to discuss some of those issues, to grow together and to become young women for tomorrow. So um, that's one of the ways in which I did um, working with other teachers and mentoring them, um, how that translates to students is that I was able to go into their classroom and help them to develop relationships with their students where they were struggling. Um, There are many avenues, again, through elect, um, sorry, extracurricular activities that I have been involved in that I've always been able to make that mesh with students. And so, yeah, that's how I I love that. Something that you said with the women of power um, and like, you know, addressing the cafeteria segregation issue and all of the different, you know, stuff is, it reminds me of a conversation we had, um, with Ignite to Unite. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how building relationships with your students, like it's, 
teacher to student relationships mm -hmm. are important, but also fostering relationships between the students and fostering like you're teaching, you're helping to facilitate ways for these girls to go in and, you know, broaden their horizon and have relationships with students that maybe they weren't having relationships with before. And so what a strong school culture and community that yeah. breeds to be able to do that. So uh, the relationships, I have thought about that so many times about fostering the relationships with from student to student and how just incredibly important that is. And so you're it doing is. that. And they're at that <laughs> age really in middle school um, where, you know, you have mean girls, you have popular guys, you yep. just have people and they're trying to figure out life. Who am I? What am I? Yeah. I want to be different from my parents. And, and they're all jacked up on yeah, hormones. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you can't say that, but of course <laughs> they are. Um, and they know it all. And so you're trying yep. to help them understand like, yeah, you know it all, but there is a different yes. way we can go about dealing with these situations, yeah. right? Where we don't have to have so many uh, mean girls, tough guys, popular people within yes. school, but that we can all exist and appreciate everyone's differences. And to That's be able to great. see that was interesting because although I started at the middle school, um, the sister school that I was at, which went on to Booker T. Washington from mm -hmm. Carver, seeing how those students evolved over time. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, last year was a really cool experience for me. And they were like, <gasps> Tell me more about that. That's you know, cool. um, I was real different in middle school. And I was like, yeah, you were. And they were like, you were different. And I said, well, <laughs> we were both different. It was middle school, right? <laughs> and so um, we laughed about it. And just being able to see the students come into themselves, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. join clubs that really represent the schools that they're at, because we had some tough conversations in middle school. You're coming to this school. Um, we're still a part of this cafeteria scenario where there is a lot of separation, but this is the school where we're bringing all of the um, races and ethnicities mm. together. And this is the 50th year for integration in Tulsa schools. Okay. And so to be able to uh, see that, um, currently sitting on the committee, and that's yeah. how I just knew some insight on that, but to be able to see where we started mm -hmm. to where we are now is a huge huge growth yeah. Um, yeah. and to know that these relationships existed. My parents went to a segregated school and mm -hmm. to know that I did not, we went to the same high school um, and to still have those relationships evolving and to see those students coming from eighth grade, seeing them in their 12th grade year, going off and having these mixed groups and understanding yeah. and valuing all differences in people was just amazing for me. It was like mm. a full circle. Absolutely. What, what wow. I know about Booker T is how it's a diverse school and it's by the time the kids are there for a year or two, it's, that's just the norm. Like you're going to, you're going to be around people that are from different socioeconomic levels than you, just different backgrounds than you. And everybody just, they just do their thing. And, uh, I've, I've heard so much good about Booker T and oh I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it firsthand too. It's a really wonderful place. Um, I did want to circle back to women of power if somebody found that program intriguing, could they access that curriculum or get more information mm. about that to bring it to, th to their school? We are, uh, I say we, it was a team of, um, I started it and I am working with a team of young ladies who um, hopefully by the end of the year, we will have some things in place. So nice. if they follow me, they will be able to see that so that we can get those into all Oklahoma schools and, and any across the nation yeah. that would like that because um, youth leadership is mm -hmm. very empowering to students. And so it can be on any level. It doesn't have to be just a group of young ladies, but it could yeah. apply to any uh, youth leadership program that That's a awesome. district may have. I love it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. how just by chance, how do people follow you? Where do they yes, find you? Yes, thank you. Yeah. So Oklahoma Teacher of the Year 2023 on Facebook, um, okay. getting ready to launch some things that are out there. Uh, now I just started the page, and so I'm going to be doing that. And um, from there, I would like to, for them not to just follow me, but if they're educators, I want to follow them, and I definitely want to follow the journey of educators in Oklahoma because, yeah. again, we're going through a lot of um, – challenging times mm -hmm. and have been but uh, specifically right now we're going through that and I want others across the state as they begin to follow this journey that they can see what people are doing um, especially those who may be in tier three schools who have my mm. heart which are failing districts mm -hmm. um, even outside of Tulsa of course there are those and that they know that teachers are thriving and that students are yes. growing and we may not see it sometimes within our testing data that we use across the state yeah. but that those little things every day matter to build those teachers and to build the communities and find ways that we can all help one another. 
tapping into that larger educational community, you know, is so important yes. to, to hear voices outside yeah. of your own hallway or school. Um, I think is, is important and can be very inspiring. Yeah. Yes. I love that you're going in and looking for just kind of the average everyday teacher. And like, you know, we're talking about these amazing things that they're doing because it's so frustrating. We get to talk to teachers all the time right. and every single time you leave inspired and you're just like, Oh my goodness, I'm so glad they're in the classroom. I'm so glad that they were created for this job and it's wonderful. And we just, that's happening constantly. We, our schools are filled with teachers like that, but we, that's not the narrative we're hearing. And it is so unbelievably frustrating. I feel like I have this conversation all the time with people <laughs> like, but that's not what's really happening. Right. That's not right. what's really happening right. in the classrooms. Yeah. So, yeah. That would be yeah. interesting. Um, definitely you all hearing the voices and elevating those voices. And I say that the teachers also, um, we're coming across a lot of teachers who need the mental and physical uh, space as far as support because mm -hmm. they're tapping out mm -hmm. um, of education due to the fact that um, we know it's alarming dealing with the stress mm -hmm. yeah. that is there. And so how do we keep them and how yeah. do we um, give them the supports? And so that's one of the things I want to put in place. I know a lot of former teachers of the year and individuals outside of the teacher of the year program have oftentimes elevated the voice. And we just want to make sure mm -hmm. that those supports are in place so that they have something that they can tap into um, when they are falling apart and feeling yeah. like they're losing their mind. And before mm -hmm. they tap out, because we're losing a lot of great ones. I saw a meme Absolutely. the other day and I laughed and they said that we're not in a shortage of teachers. However, our environments have created that shortage and so they're walking out of the door. Yeah. Mm. And so I thought that was interesting because we hear there's a shortage on teachers, there's a shortage <laughs> and I'm going, wow, I'm passing teachers every day and yeah. a lot of them are, you know, certified teachers within uh, their respective states, but they don't want to they're do it um, because of the stress that is there yeah. on them. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do to make sure that that uh, stress load can be decreased yeah. and that we have the supports in place for them? So, yeah. And yeah. is this your PUSH program? Okay, so push. what does P-U-S-H stand for? So P is for um, plan. Okay. And so making sure that we, uh, or I'm sorry, preparation, making sure that we have a prepared plan in place for learners. Gotcha. We have some things that are there. Uh, we just want to make sure that we're working together. You yeah. heard me talk earlier on the fact that you may be in schools where um, you have great plans in place, but you don't necessarily have a team of people working together mm -hmm. to push that plan school-wide and to push it district-wide mm -hmm. and eventually state. Um, so making sure that we have that collective piece there. You utilizing the experts that are mm -hmm, in the field mm -hmm. talked a little bit about that. But again, that is so important because that's going to help our burnout rate of teachers yeah. if they're being utilized and they're, uh, their administrators are growing them as well and they're reaching their so goals. Um, so I'll be going around and doing panels um, as well as taking a team of individuals that deal with mental health, that deal with experts um, that are teachers and going around the state into um, all 77 counties, but specifically the tier three schools mm -hmm. that are failing because the emphasis is on them right now yeah. within our state. And how do we show that they're really thriving and to put some pieces yeah. together, some ports in place. So utilizing them and then uh, as sustaining the programs that we do have. We talked about Booker T. Washington, where I am, and they've had longtime programs, but you just go a mile uh, north of them and you see a school where our current interim superintendent was, uh, an, she's an alumni from that school and she was also principal, that don't have um, all the programs in place mm -hmm. that we've had for so long. And yep. again, these schools are a mile, a mile and a half apart. Wow. Um, how do we partner these like minds together mm -hmm. to make sure that they have sustainable programs? Um, and then we look at the H, help eradicate the achievement gap. I'm really huge on that because it is growing. There was a, a bill that's recently been passed uh, within the state of Oklahoma saying that, hey, we're going to address it, but we're wanting to make sure that they have tangible supports mm -hmm. in place for teachers. So I'm all about elevating their voices and pushing them, but making sure that they have um, supports in place to thrive in yeah. their environments and showing what they're doing to show that, although this is the narrative that we're reading on paper, this is the narrative that we foresee. When we take Dr. Uh, King, obviously uh, a great American 
um, many years ago who said, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. And it's deeply rooted mm. in the American dream. And these kids still have a dream as well. And we want to make sure that their dream is not darkened and that they realize that um, we too can make it out of these situations. And we're going to. And mm-hmm. we're going to be just as successful as any other district. Um, so persevering, making sure that our students yeah. are persevering, and they are, um, and that our teachers are thriving. Because if our teachers thrive, then our students are going to be successful. Yeah. If our students are successful, then we're going to have successors for the next generation. So mm-hmm. that's, that's huge right. to me. So I'm pushing that throughout the state um, through, again, panels. I'll be coming to different areas, uh, motivational speaking. Great. But I'm really big on the panel piece because that's going to allow the districts and the community to partner together. Oftentimes, yeah. communities want to help, and they form tutoring programs. They form all these wonderful things, but it's still not addressing the deficit that mm-hmm. we have within the school building. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of speaking different languages here so making sure that those two can go hand in hand right well you're, you're going to visit our workshop next yeah. week yeah yes. exciting about that very exciting awesome. our classroom management workshop on tuesday it's yes. just a couple of days away we're so excited so have a lot of teachers coming yeah we do that's yeah good. that's good yeah that's we exciting. can't wait for you to talk to them too yeah, yeah. Oh, i'm excited i can't wait for them to meet you <laughs> You're a wonderful, wonderful lady, wonderful <laughs> teacher. Well, I am looking at the time, and we have been talking for a little, quite a little while. I kind of want to, you know, close it up just a little bit. Um, what if you could go back in time, and if you had 60 seconds with your former self, and you could just talk to her before she enters her first classroom, what are you saying to her? Wow, I haven't been given that question. <laughs> that is... An awesome question. Talking about myself um, from some time ago, just entering the classroom, um, I would definitely say if I could talk to her again, that would say, look at the three Ds. The three Ds of life are discipline, dedication, and having a desire. Mm. And so your desire is to be uh, great at what you do. And you need to keep that at the forefront of your mind and Mm. not allow the test and um, other things that you're going to come into contact with distract you from keeping that desire. Mm -hmm. And with that desire, you're going to have to have a lot of discipline. And so with the day-to-day, go back and make sure that – you get an assignment in class that you reread that, that you address it and that you look at it to say, how can that really talk to me personally mm. and not just be something that I am looking at, be it math, be it science, but how does this personally affect me? Oftentimes mm-hmm. as a student, I was just looking at the the right now, which many students are. What is yeah. it going to produce as far as my grade? You know, How is that going to impact the test and not how does that impact life and others mm. around, right? Um, and then when it comes to um, your dedication, just making sure that you're dedicated to what you are going to do. Find your goal. After you find that goal, stick to that goal yeah. and don't let anybody deter you from that. And then from there, you will be the person that you desire to mm-hmm. be. And I would just tell her that. Yeah. I, and that is probably the messaging that you are giving to students, like countless throughout the years. That's probably the exact same message that you're it's giving. definitely them. what I strive to do on a daily basis. I love that. Yeah. Finish this sentence. When my students leave my classroom, I hope they, wow. When my students leave my classroom, I hope they are, I leave with the quote, um, two quotes. One of them is, parting is such sweet sorrow from Shakespeare. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Impact knowing that um, you make the difference and the difference starts with you. And so I hope that my students know that they are the difference makers and that they start the difference because the difference starts in the classroom and what better way to get it than in this classroom and you go out and continue making that difference. Mm. So. You are all about empowerment. Yeah. You know, whether it's spelled out in the title of Women of Power <laughs> but or just like I – what I hear from you is I want to equip you. Mm. I want to equip you to have the power to gather that so that you can then make decisions for yourself and then impact your community once you reach that level. Yeah. I, I, I've heard that the whole time we've been talking, which is spectacular. It really <laughs> it. is. Yes. That's, That's awesome. great. Yes. 
I'm so glad you're in the classroom. I know I've said that, but I just am. Um, okay, and then finally, this does not have to be teaching related at all. Okay. This is just anything in life that you are enjoying that you would like to recommend to our listeners. It can be absolutely anything. I'll go first. Rick will go so you have time to think about awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> but mine, I wrote it down. Um, I've It's a podcast. I've recommended this podcast before called Terrible Thanks for Asking, but there's a specific episode called The Teachers Are Not All Right. And it's so good. It's exactly what we talk about, like that there is crisis. And I'm so glad that it's like this this uh, conversation that we're having is being held not just within teacher community, but mm -hmm. other people are starting to hear it and starting to have conversations with teachers and starting to listen to teachers. And so this terrible thanks for asking episode is just that. She is not a teacher, the host of this, and but she is so invested in you know school and her student or her kids' lives and everything. So she's fallen in love with teachers and she wants to tell help tell their stories. And so I'm just I was so it, happy to hear it and you know the teachers aren't all right right now there's so much that we need to be doing and so listen to that episode of terrible thanks for asking that was a good one yeah. all right rick how about you about a month ago i emailed uh somebody that i have listened to for years and years um read his books and i he's just a voice that's been in my life for, yeah. for a long time i emailed him about a month ago asked him if i could fly to his town and take him to lunch <laughs> uh, for no other reason than I just want to talk to him. And he responded and said yes. And I did that on Tuesday of this mm. week. And That's so cool. It was great. It was just, it was amazing. And um, the reason I tell you that is if you're prompted to do something, even if it's wholly impractical, consider it. Yeah. Consider it. If it works, if it's if it's not going to hurt you or anybody else, then I would encourage you to to do it, to step out, because the even though it may not make sense, yeah, it it does impact your life. It does have, you know, it has a it can become a pivot point for you, um, in whatever that is, and maybe it's skydiving or mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, I encourage you to do that because it's it's good medicine. Follow those promptings. <laughs> Follow the prompting. At least listen and consider the prompting. I love that you did that. I think that is so brave to contact someone that you've never met before, someone that you've admired for so long, and be like, hey, let's go out to lunch. <laughs> I just, oh my goodness, I love that. My husband, Wesley, I was telling him about this, and we talked about this for a good like 20 or 30 minutes last night, and we were both just like, but why not? Why not yeah. just do it? If you have Got those to. promptings, that's where we landed with it. Like, yeah. you might as well. The worst that, he could have said his no. Well, the worst that could have happened is he didn't respond. As he didn't respond, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you already have that by not asking. Yeah. yeah. But um, I love that you did it. Life can be interesting. It can be extraordinary. But you have to uh, listen to yourself. You have to listen to your heart and your head and um, maybe make a choice that doesn't make, a s it doesn't make sense to the people around you. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to explain that yeah. to them all the time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that's mine. I love it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, really, it can be anything. It, it can, can be, be anything. A TV show. It can be anything. Oh, wow. Um, one of the books that I would say that yeah. I would love for everyone to read is The Hate You Give. Um, it's a uh, good book. Yeah, it is. I haven't yeah. read it, that, but it it's really on my is. list. I think yeah. I have it in yeah. my. And I say that one because of uh, the messages that it has within it. I think it speaks volumes, and I compare it oftentimes to To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh -huh. And I, I use those two books because um, where To Kill a Mockingbird has been around for years and The Hate You Give, they have parallel ideas, and I use that. And from that, you said didn't have to have anything to do with teaching um, <laughs> and so it necessarily doesn't but using those two I think those are great conversational pieces uh, to be able to have at uh, tables that we may not be uh, necessarily um, comfortable at or invited to and my thing is I am now 
not taking the idea of being invited to a table. I just sit down at a table oh. and I have a conversation. Wow. And where does that conversation lead me? Uh, most recently, the conversation has led me into some avenues of people that I didn't know were of influence, but I was just having a conversation because wow. I took the chance at having a seat um, and knowing that those individuals, you know, have kept in contact with me and said, if it wasn't for you sitting down, that conversation could have mm. never happened. And now I can take that back to my community and and share. And, wow. and again, I'm big at those things because um, if we don't take a chance, you know, we never have it. So I've just come with the idea now that I'm no longer going to wait to be invited to a table. Um, many tables that I won't be invited into. I've traveled, um, starting to travel, and it's been interesting to see the various tables that yeah. we have within our um, within our state. Mm -hmm. And I've just said I'm going to take the idea to have a seat. And if I could apply that to teaching, even though I know it doesn't, I think teachers should just have a seat at a table, a student table, an administrator table, a table of a community member, and begin to engage in That's dialogue. Good. And from that dialogue, we can begin to grow with one another and, and respect the differences that we may have, but grow mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I love it. Taking a seat at a table. Taking yeah. a seat at the table, whether you're invited or not, take <laughs> a seat. Oh, that's good. That is yep. good. Well, Tracy, could you one more time tell us where we can find you, where our guests can go and find you? Sure. Facebook, Oklahoma Teacher of the Year 2023. Perfect. And they'll find us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We can't wait to see you on Tuesday at the Classroom Management Workshop. Awesome. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. Thank you. Please visit our website at relatethenneducate.com. If you'd like us to come to your school, great. Go to our website, click on our speaking page, and see what all we talk about. And we'd love to come meet your teachers. Also on our site, you can visit our events page. We have some excellent workshops and really cool events that we are currently planning. We cannot wait for these things. Oh, they're going to be exciting. Also, you can check out our Teacher Voices page, which is exactly what it sounds like, Teacher Voices. It's a wonderful resource of teacher stories, teacher experiences, just all you can hear teacher voices. And it's a great way you can connect with them. You can learn and hear from other teachers. So check out our website, relatheneducate.com. We are always looking for more teachers to talk to. And you have a story worthy of sharing. Yes, you. I'm talking to you, teacher. You may not think you do, but oh, do you? And we want to meet you. We want to talk to you on the podcast. And even if you're like, oh, I don't have anything, which I know you do. I know you know of a teacher who has a great story, who has great experiences and lessons that we could learn from. So you could also let us know their name, their information, and we would love to reach out to them and see if they want to be on our show. So reach out to us on our website, or you can email me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at RelateThenEducate.com, and I will get back to you. I am so excited always to meet new teachers. Have you pre-ordered your copy of the Relate Then Educate book? Because you need to. You really, really do. The Relate Then Educate book is wonderful. It is a bunch of different teacher stories. And they're getting out there. And we can't wait. So if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, you need to do it. You can pre-order it anywhere where you order you know, your books and stuff from. We will, we will release the book this summer. All right, finally, please like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Relate Then Educate and on Twitter at Relate Then E-D-U-C and the number one. And then on whatever you're listening to this podcast, please follow us, like us, leave a review. It helps us grow. It helps us be seen. Please do that. All right, finally, teachers, you are worthy. You are valuable and you are loved. Bye.